would not let my child attend 98% of the Sunday school classes and vacation Bible schools in this country. And I'll tell you why. A bunch of children are brought in and they're told wonderful stories about Jesus. And then, how many of you children love Jesus? I mean, except for the kid in the back with the leather jacket and the signs on his back that have been imprinted by a cultic, you know, satanic cult. Every, other, every kid in that class is going to stand up and go, I love Jesus. Well, how many of you want to go to heaven? Oh, I do. How many of you want to pray this prayer? I will. And then they're marched off to baptism. And a lot of times, the baptismal is dressed up like some kind of a happy party time with graffiti so that they really enjoy it. And then, when they're old enough to rebel against their parents, they do, and they live in gross immorality and sin. And then when they're about 25 or 30 after college, they decide they need to straighten things out because morality is really a better way to go. So they rededicate their life, and they continue attending church once a week, having just enough morality to dim their conscience and send them straight to hell. That's what's going on. Wow, that got my attention. Did it get yours? You know, we wonder why so many people doubt their salvation these days. But I came to let you know that it ends today. Well, welcome to Real Talk with Jordan Riley, where the real talk does not come from me. It comes directly from God's word. And sadly, I get emails from around the world each week. And one of the biggest questions I get asked is, Jordan, how do I know I'm saved? Or Jordan, I'm not sure I'm saved. And it's tragic, you guys. People do not have an assurance of salvation. But I believe it's mainly because they rely on a one-time act that they did many, many years ago. And that's what they kind of focus on. That's the proof. That's the evidence. But is that true? Is that biblical salvation? That, hey, I done did that. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but salvation is not a flu shot that you did once long ago and now you're good. But a majority of people believe that that is the proof that they're saved. How men today are trusting in the fact that at least one time in their life they prayed a prayer and someone told them they were saved because they were sincere enough. And so in their salvation, if you ask them, are you saved? They do not say, yes, I am because I'm looking unto Jesus and there is mighty evidence giving me assurance of being born again. No, they say one time in my life I prayed a prayer and they live like so the big question is, how can you know if you're saved? And what is the proof and what is the evidence of your salvation? I want to start in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Fascinating verse. Here's what it says. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Did you see that right there? John, at the end of his, his book, he says, all these things I have written to you, it's so that you will know that you have eternal life, not so that you'll guess or wonder or hope. Because when that day comes and you go up to the pearly gates and you're walking up the stairs and you're seeing God in front of you and you just ask that question, did I do a good job? Did I do the right thing? And just hope he says, hey, come on in. No, that you will know that you have eternal life, that you will know that you are saved. I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. So I want to look at the things that help you to know. 
Now, the first, the book of 1 John, it's an examination book of who is a Christian and what that looks like and who isn't and what that looks like. So here's a test that we can all take based on 1 John to see if you're truly in Christ, you're truly saved, and you're truly going to heaven. Now, I want to say at the beginning, please hear me. If you do not see all these, like if you don't possess all these things and see evidence of all these things in your life, it is more than likely that you are not saved and not going to heaven. Now, there is a caveat. Maybe there's one of these things that you truly did not know. And I'm not saying you're not saved if you missed one of them. But if you are saved, you need to get on that one and get going right away. So you ready to take the test? Let's get started. I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask myself these questions with scripture. And we're going to see, are we truly saved and in Christ? Number one. Do you have ongoing fellowship with God and with Jesus Christ, his son? That's 1 John chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. In verse 3, you see right there, it says, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Did you see right there? It says our fellowship is with the father. That is present tense. It's not, it may be with the father or, you know, maybe it was back in the day when I was really on fire for Jesus. No, is ongoing fellowship is the sign of a believer. Okay. Also the fellowship you have is not out of duty or out of fear, but out of love for the Lord. So that's question number one. Let's go to number two. Question number two is, are you sensitive to sin? 1 John 1, verses 5 through 9. Here's what verses 8 and 9 say. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love those verses. So look at that. John gives us a little bit of an order there. We're to walk in the light. That's verses five, six, and seven. Then we recognize our sin. We're disgusted. We're broken. We hate our sin. And we turn and we confess our sin to the Lord. And the, and the great part of that, again, is if we're in Christ, he has forgiven us. He's faithful and just to forgive us all our sin. Question number three, are you obedient to God's word? First John 2, verse three, this is what it says. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. It's very simple, very, very straightforward there. Do you desire to obey Jesus? Not out of fear, mind you, but out of love because you love him. And please understand that obedience, it produces assurance. As we obey him, we're assured that we are following him, that we love him, that we are in Christ. Also, Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, he said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Again, obedience to God's word is another sign that you are saved and in Christ. Number four, do you reject the world and its system? First John 2, 15. Let me read that. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. It gets, it's just very plain and simple. John is just writing right there. He says, we're not to love the world. 
And please understand that's also the world system, the world, the world's beliefs, the godless living, uh, the philosophies of the world, the, the sexual sin, materialism, okay? But where is our love? Our love is for God, his kingdom, and his word. That should be our focus, not on the world systems and all that nonsense, but on the Lord. Number five, do you love Jesus and eagerly await for his return? First John 3, verses 2 and 3, this is what it says. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. <laughs> I love that. See, you have to ask yourself, is your hope fixed on Jesus? Or is it fixed on your job or maybe on your spouse or on yourself? Our hope is fixed on Christ. Just like it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Also, are you looking and longing for him? Or just like, yeah, you know, it'll all pan out in the end. You know, whatever happens will happen. No, if you're in Christ, if you're saved, you can't wait for him to come. It's something you think about, you long for, you eagerly await for it. Also, look at what Titus 2.13 says. It says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Did you see that? Looking. We are actively doing that. You don't just pray a prayer when you're little and kind of forget about it and again, hope that someday you're gonna to go to heaven. If you're in Christ, you are actively looking, longing, waiting, hoping. You, you just can't, you're like excited for it. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. I can't wait to stand at his feet, to worship him, to see him as he is. That's another sign of a believer. Number six. Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? 1 John chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Let me read verse 9 and 10 first. It says, No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty specific. Now, remember, we are not sinless, okay? We're not without sin, like Todd White would say, but we desire to sin less. There will be a pattern of sinning less as we grow closer to Christ, but we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. You can't do that if you're not saved, but look at that. Ask yourself this. Do you pursue holiness? Do you see victory over sin? Do you no longer practice sin? It's not a lifestyle anymore. And I heard this from a pastor that was really cool. Yes, we may fall into sin, but we don't dive into it and swim around in it. You may fall into error briefly, but the Lord, because you're in Christ, you'll be taken out of it. He will discipline you, says in Hebrews. Again, so that question is really important. Do you see a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Number seven, do you love other Christians? 1 John 2, verses 9 through 11, and 1 John 3, verses 14 through 18. This is what it says. The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light, and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. 
Right there, ask yourself, do you desire to be around the family of God? Not because you have to, but because you want to. Also, do you sacrifice for them? Do you serve them? Or do you just do it because it's good for you or because it looks good or because you know you don't want God to get mad at you? Remember that love is the test of being in Christ. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, when you love those, when you love you know, the, the brethren, it proves you're his disciples. That is, again, we love Christ. We love the family of God. We love his word. We love his kingdom. That's what it's all about. Number eight, do you experience answered prayer? First John chapter three, verses 22 through 24, and first John five, verses 14 and 15. Here's what it says in first John chapter three. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments remains in him and we and he in him. We know by this that he remains in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So you see that right there. John kind of gives a pattern in a certain order. He says, we abide in him. Okay, those, that's, a, that's a picture of us being saved. We're abiding in Christ, he and us. That's John chapter 15, one through eight. You, we keep his commands. And because of that, we have answered prayer. Now, please understand, answered prayer does not mean you get a yes all the time. The Lord might say no. The, the Lord might say maybe. But I want you to hear this. John chapter nine, verse 31 is very, very clear. That if you are not in Christ, you're not saved. You're not a follower of Jesus. He does not hear your prayers, okay? So please get this. When you're in Christ, God hears our prayers and he does answer them. Number nine, do you experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit? First John four, verses 13 through 15, this is what it says. By this, we know that we remain in him and he in us because he has given to us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. Wow, that is some awesome stuff. And I want to break that down a little bit. Right there, it says, we confess Jesus is Lord and Savior and the Son of God. You can't confess that and live it out and believe it without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just impossible. Also, we have love for Jesus and we are committed to him. Again, can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, because when we have the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we understand the word of God. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18 says that if you're not in Christ, you're in the world, that the gospel, the word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's not believers, that's unbelievers. And also we know Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And again, only because we have the Holy Spirit and are saved. Number 10, can you discern between spiritual truth and error? 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. That's what it says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard and is coming. And now it is already in the world. 
You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Ha, <laughs> love those verses. So if you, if you can discern between spiritual truth and error, again, that's because you have the Holy Spirit. You understand God's word. You have discernment. Also, you know who Jesus is. You know why he came. You understand the gospel. See, true believers will know the truth and will, a will be able to discern right from wrong. Sadly, the world can discern what is almost right or almost wrong. But that is not what the Bible says. We will know truth from error. And finally, number 11, have you been rejected for your faith? 1 John 3, verse 13. It says, do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. It doesn't get much more clear than that. The world will hate you just as it did Jesus. They wanted him dead. They, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they hounded him everywhere he went, trying to trap him. They wanted him gone because he spoke the truth, because he called out false teachers, he called out error. I'm telling you, this is, we have to understand that if we are in Christ, he is our Lord and Savior, we've been saved, we will be exactly like that. Jesus even said, I want you to see this, in Luke 6, 26, Jesus said, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. It's hard when I see people who are just loved by the world. And they'll say they love Jesus. They'll say, oh, you know, I, I went to church on Christmas and Easter. But I'm telling you, they're not followers of Christ. In name only, maybe, but not truly. They're not saved. And again, they're not going to heaven. So how did you do? Think about those 11 questions. If you're not seeing all of those things in your life, then you sadly need to hear that you are not in Christ. You're not saved and heaven is not in your future. See, our efforts do not save us. And maybe you've been relying on a prayer that you repeated or an aisle you walked when you were little or when you were older. I don't know when it was, but we have got to stop relying on our efforts, on our deeds. Remember, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. Not of work so that so no one can boast. It's all a work of God. So if this is you, if I, did, if I went through those things and you did not identify with those things, I want to challenge you. Please, like it says in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, repent and believe the gospel. Take time after this episode. Cry out to the Lord. Ask him, plead for him to save you. He is not obligated to, but you ask him. You ask him to save you. You repent of your sins. You put your faith. You cling to him. Because I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the one who saves, not our efforts and not our decisions.